All right, I'm gonna flip a point. Okay. And uh, remind you that my cousin gave me some money. <laughs> Your cousin was kind of wealthy. He had a an automaton servant. Okay. Yeah. What did Your cousin what did my gave cousin, you some money? What did he do for a living? Was he a know. dentist? No, I don't think so. I think uh, I think he was a dean. Oh yeah. Hynir, academia runs deep in the blood of the of the Claras. And luckily for us, that blood means money. My cousin gave us some. You take out a little pouch from your belt and just give it a little toss in the air and catch it. Just judging by the weight, there must be, I don't know, 50 to, I don't know, 200. <laughs> the exchange rate is really good in heart this time the uh well this time right now and uh yeah let's go let's go buy me a new sword what do you need high near my treat uh if that's I enough no idea I, th I think i'm probably fine have you ever spent money before it feels great i have not you know you should try it just okay. watch me and watch, watch how great i feel shopping montage <laughs> So, yeah, there's a shopping montage where Caleb walks around and buys a couple of things. What does he want? Do you want to interact with people? Do you want to negotiate? Yeah, those are the questions. What do you want? Do you want to have actual scenes? If you want to negotiate, then we'll have to do actual scenes. Let's not drag this out very long. So I'm opening my uh, character sheet. So I'm going to add. I now have a stuff. Um, th uh, section started in my notes. So there's a shopping montage, and Caleb walks around and he buys some uh, dried goods. It looks like uh, he stops at one place to buy some kind of like travel food. Okay. And he buys it from a vendor with a bunch of hanging uh, creatures, and uh, they have kind of basins of fresh fruit. And he stops at another place, very similar, but he walks into kind of a dimly lit apothecary and buys some kind of dried herbs for creating medicine, stuff like that. All right. So you get like a, an, what, an apothecary's kit. You want stuff for like healing or stuff to make potiony stuff? Um, I am more interested in healing. Okay. So yeah, you grab uh, an apothecary's kit. It has um, bandages and salves and a few other things like that, where if you or Pioneer get injured, you'll be able to perform medical checks without any sort of penalty. Well, that's good. I mean, assuming you don't drop it in the next place you visit. I probably will. All right, Pioneer, try this mushroom and tell me that money is not fun to spend. Pioneer daintily takes the mushroom from your hands. I assume it's just a, like a little mushroom. It's very small little cap. It has like a bright cyan colored cap to it. He grabs it with his sharp front teeth and swallows it back. Yeah, uh, yeah that was good. You can, So you're saying you can get food with money. You're saying... exactly. You can get food that you don't have to cook yourself. Oh, exactly. Anything you want. Do you remember the train? 
You can. You don't yeah. even have to walk if you have money. You just you just pay someone to walk for you. It's really the crown jewel of civilization on this great planet we live on. Anyway, Hynira, there's just one last thing. Gotta replace that sword that we, uh, well, we used as a doorway into that cave. You know, I'm not one to swing swords for without good reason, but I am well trained by the, uh, the fellowship and I don't like to travel with that one. You never know what kind of situation you might end up in. So, and what better place than hearth, a place named for the hearth that burns the metal and pours the steel to buy myself a new sword. I like a short one. Uh, Well, it's easier to sit in the train with a short sword. So we got to find the best place to buy one for the best price. This bag's getting a little light. So tell me the place that you find. What does it look like and who runs it? Yeah, I think they started kind of low in the city and have been making their way up. So despite the fact that Caleb says he's looking for the best place, that he's not going back down. So it's sort of based on convenience. Yeah. I think the place that he finds has uh, a large plume of smoke coming from back within it. It has a, an awning that sticks out into the street where passerbyers will kind of walk by it. And it has a big sign with a name. Do you have a name? Who runs it? I think it is. A, I think I want it to be Duvergar Run. Okay. Yeah, the sign uh, is simple and it says Holtz Smithy. And walking in, there's a short but sturdy man behind uh, uh, working in the back. The place is not really a shop. It's more of a workshop. And there's uh, an array of weaponry along one wall and only one person working inside. And Caleb steps in and studies Holt's wares. He's got a variety of weaponry from Small swords, broadswords, bucklers, shields. He's got quite a bit of stuff. There's a hand and a half there. There's a little stand full of rapiers in the corner. And Caleb takes a look around. I think he's a bit overwhelmed, but he is kind of looking for something, quote unquote, classic, something that reminds him of the fellowship and what he's used to, what he's been trained with. I'd say that most most people in the uh, in the fellowship are either holding a hand and a half or a broadsword, but Caleb was probably more trained on a small sword. Not quite as long, not quite as heavy, a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Hynir, you look around. These are all things you're not... You don't need any of this stuff, and you probably don't know too much about it, but let me tell you. For me, it's all about the small sword. A small sword, you get a lot of speed, you get a lot of wind behind that cut, and then when you combine that with the, with the, you know, your own natural talents, mine being the uh, elemental, some would say, you can get a, you can do quite a bit of damage. Now this small sword in particular, uh, this is just beautifully crafted. Um, is that a, he shouts back to the uh, back of the shop. 
is uh, Holt. Is that... May I call you uh, Holt? How much for this small sword in particular? Yeah, that's me. Uh, that one? That one's going to be 200. 200. Let Caleb tosses his bag up and down and is not even quite... He's judging how much might be in there by the weight. Mm, 200. Can you... Can we... Hey, uh... I mean, I, I... I just picked this up. I'm not even looking around. I'm willing to leave. Just leave this bag for you if uh, the weight feels right for you. You, I mean, I'm a, I'm a scholar. You're you're a, a man who knows the delicacy of, of weight and the worth of it. Will you take the weight of this bag for this sword? He turns and looks at you, quenches the weapon that he's he's working on and walks towards you. You want to do a negotiation check? Why am I so bad at negotiation? Well, I mean, what 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 did what was your plan? What did you want to do? <laughs> mm, uh, let's do a negotiation check and I'll flip another one. I mean, upgrade. Do you want to s- try to spin leadership somehow? That's that's not bad. Okay, so yeah, he's he's this is such a obnoxious thing but hey it's caleb it's not me um yeah he uh in saying this he's using his rank to enforce his uh the fact that he's right the fact that he what he's doing makes sense and i guess he's kind of intimidating through his rank as a scholar of the fellowship is what i mean all right so it's going to be against a red and a purple oh no and i am going to still flip an upgrade Told you, you I didn't boost want for this any to reason. Thing. Huh? Too late. It's already rolled. Oh, wow. A success and an advantage. Yeah, he walks up and grabs that bag and tosses it a couple times. You know, this is this is Dvergar war. This is good stuff you're dealing with here. This bag feels a little light, but uh, fellowship boy like you. All right. And I thank you, Holt. And uh, might, might, might I say that this quality is superb and gives the blade a little ding and it echoes through the through the chamber what do you have for your advantage okay i don't want to linger too much but heinier and caleb walk out of the of holtz and caleb reaches in his pocket and has just a couple more coins and shows them to heinier to kind of demonstrate his uh superb leadership (laughs) and negotiation and then i want I want them to cut to the two of them at like a little outdoor bistro. Great. And I want to also try and heal some strain while I do that. All right. So uh, Heiner got a whole roasted duck, which he is ripping apart. And yeah, they had to move a chair at a table so that he could sit on the ground next to the table. You can do a cool or a discipline check as you take a moment to try and heal some strain. I think he's feeling pretty cool right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's in his element. Yeah. What's And there's no difficulty? Nope, it's simple. That's three strain. That's great. All right, so the two of you eat some food, and I assume try to make sense of, of the very long day that you've had, because you have not slept since leaving... Uh, leaving your cousins and uh 
what's next for the two of you? We are going to we're going to head to the Zeppelin. You and Hynir head up, up the ramps to the edge of the caldera. Um, as you move upwards, the buildings get larger and more of them are built into the rock. You almost get to the top before you spot the place where the Zeppelin is moored. And you spot it more from the abundance of white cloaks than from anything else. There are, are a group of, of paladins beginning to load something, a, a large crate, into one of the compartments of this Zeppelin. There are a number of dock hands working as well, keeping things tied down, making sure nothing's moving. There are a few other vessels parked here as well. You spot a light blue hot air balloon that is just taking off as you get up to the top. Well, Heinier, have you ever have you ever flown before? Um, no. And you I can already tell I'm not going to be a fan, he says as he looks back over this edge and the caldera thousands of feet below. Heinier, you've flown across large distances of space. How is this going to be any different? It's just the same but slower. That takes a second. I don't think the Zeppelin's that fast. Uh, think about all of the sleep we're going to catch up on when we get in there and just get to relax. Anyway, <sighs> see them people over there? Those are members of the Fellowship. I have no idea what's in that box, but I'm sure it's something amazing. It's probably a big statue or something. As you approach, somebody stops you. Yes. They're a Grenker. They're a little bit shorter than you. They've got sort of the, the features of an amphibian with a little stalk on their head. They say, can I help you? Ah, good afternoon. Fellow, well, fellow, fellow, we'll call it that. Um, he is wearing the, the white cloak and medallion. Uh, Caleb flashes his medallion. As you can see, I am a fellow member. I'm a fellow. And, uh, I'd like to make my way to the Zeppelin to discuss with important pressing research that I have for the fellowship. I'm a, the name is Calum Clara. I'm a scholar of the Iron Tower. Now, please do let me pass. The Grinker says, you're heading back to the tower? Um, yes, Balthazar's ordered all paladins back to the tower. But no, this their ship's on a, on a special mission. I, we can't have you aboard. You're going to have to make your way back the long way. And please do divulge to me what long way might that be? Uh, road. Horses. Now, I'd gladly ride a horse back there if I had one, my friend. But I do not. Give me a vigilance check. Against? Against four reds and a purple. Four reds and a purple? Yeah. Do I even need to do this check? I have to. Let's just see what happens. I think I'm going to get a despair. Uh, it's, it's likely. Four reds and a purple? Yeah. Have you ever rolled more reds than this in a game? We have rolled this many reds before without coming up with a despair. Well, okay. my cool. thing's not my thing's not updating anymore. Um, well, that's okay. You got five failures, two threats, and a despair. Oh, I did get a despair. Yep, it's there. Well, you made me roll four. It's true. I did flip a dark side point to make you make that roll. Okay. Okay. So you don't really notice anything. Your conversation continues. And the Grenker says, 
I mean, yeah, we, there's a small garrison. We can get you a horse. <sighs> well, it's better than nothing. Uh, do you know where it is? Do you need me to show you? Please don't condescend me. I'd know exactly where the Iron Tower is. I've been to Hearth before. Uh, the, the horse, the horses, the garrison? Oh, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Garrison? Uh, where? Yeah, somebody uh, breaks into the conversation and says, I can show you where. Uh, just come come with me. They are also a paladin. They're not wearing the typical white cloak, though. They've got sort of um, leather jerkin with pockets around their waist. They're in Anza with dark fur that's a little bit long. A little like maybe their ancestors came from a cold place. It's not far. I can show you exactly where it is. Uh, while we walk, maybe you can tell me what our uh, distinguished fellowship business might be in a place like Hearth this current time. <laughs> that's. I'm afraid that's classified. I mean, classified to, you know, to so many, but for a educated and distinguished scholar like myself, I think that I'd be privy to such information, and uh, I'm going to do a check. <laughs> okay. Leadership again. Okay. This is opposed. This one's only against two reds and a purple. Yeah. And Caleb continues on and says, I mean, after all, I've been trusted on some of Balthazar's most, shall we say, uh, pertinent and uh, shall we say uh, secretive missions. Can I get a boost for name dropping Balthazar? I mean, everybody knows Balthazar, so maybe not. Um, I don't think you can. Okay. This is going to come down to luck, I guess. Two successes and two threats. Heinier's following a little bit further behind. Uh, you see him keeping a watch on this person as the two of you make your way over the rim of the caldera and out to the outside. And he says, well... Let me say I've heard of you before, and uh, Balthazar has been watching you for some time. The thing is, Caelan, Balthazar's got a plan, and that plan is going to change the world. And I'm afraid you're not part of the plan. And with the four threats now, I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to start initiative as he grabs for your wrists and attempts to tie you up. Like he's he's gonna try and like get get you in in a bit of a lock so that he can grab you. Okay. So I am probably rolling vigilance. Yeah. So it's gonna go. He's got the first spot. He has the first, and we have two. Yep. What's Caleb's coordination? Three green. Okay. That's not bad. Not terrible. So as you get over the opposite side of the ring of this volcano. The buildings are a little less fancy. There are a lot of wood buildings with ornate carvings near the near the top of the ring, but as you have made your way down a little bit, they look a little bit more rough. And in the place that you are right now, you are precariously close to an edge. And if somebody were to drop off that edge, it would be quite the distance. This paladin reaches for Calum's wrists to try and tie them to get Calum under his control. This Anza tries to get your wrists in a lock, but 
what do you do to escape his grasp? So this Anza did kind of the silly supervillain thing of basically stating that I'm not part of the plan. I like I'm about to be. I succeeded at your check. He had to make this the goofy supervillain. Yeah, I think if a second before this Anza gripped Kalem's wrists and kind of tied them together using this pretty advanced fellowship paladin kind of martial arts. Kalem, let's see. Is it like he like puffs air out from his wrists? That is actually what I was thinking, is that he like just put pushes down and puffs an, uh, a little air out from his wrists using magic. And as this Anza tries to grab it, they grab at something, they grab at more of a force than an object. And they can't quite make contact with Kalem's wrists. And oddly, as Kalem projects his typical wind magic out near his wrists, it comes out as fire. Whoa. It's gonna like and burn. it burns, burns the rope. Mm, cool. The Anza leaps back quite athletically and he covers a great distance in a single leap and unsheaths the small sword. Huh. I'd say this is treason of you, but it sounds more like I'm being accused of treason. You know what you did. This is not the first time. I've got no idea what you're talking about. And Caelan is going to at least narratively unsheathe his sword as well. That's your maneuver. Um, okay, so now I have three turns in a row. Well, sort of. You can whatever. I, I, have, two, can, I have two in a row and maybe something will happen. Well, I think Caleb feels like he's his life has been threatened. So around me is describe the like 360. We are like facing each other like samurai about to chop each other in half. Yeah, and you are on a street that is not particularly wide, maybe 25-30 feet across. On the west side there are buildings a quick assessment shows that they are an inn with some tables out front, a butcher shop, and it looks like a place that sells just wooden mallets. <laughs> Is it called just wooden mallets? It's called just wooden mallets. Yeah. So that's the uh, that's the west side, and to the east side, you see the distant mountains of the eastern spine, and way off in the distance the glimmering of the slice where Gilder is on the other side it just drops off into nothing okay what I want to do for my first check is Caleb takes his sword and brings it from uh, across himself up and then down and he's going to do a magic check to shoot some magic at something, and it's not this uh, Anza. Okay. Do I tell you what he's aiming for? Yeah, tell I guess me what I have to do for the check. Is it an aim attack? For, well, to some degree, he's aiming for those tables at this bistro on the west. He okay. wants to shoot shoot those tables uh, towards his enemy using wind. Okay. I will say that there are a few people at the tables. Okay. He's... But there can be some tables and chairs that are empty. I think there's one. There's okay. one empty table. That's what he's aiming for. Um, I think it probably has some dishes that need to be bust. 
Is there anything you want to add to your attack? Right now you're just doing a regular old attack. Well, I'm going to... Hold on one second. This is my um, signature spell. Okay. So what does that do? Might not be good for the other people sitting there. It adds blast. It adds blast. Uh, it does one damage to everyone in the area with two advantages. Even if it misses, you can do one damage to everyone within with three advantages. Well, you're really trying to hit this this guy, and that's what the magic attack is going to be, is against this Anza. Okay, sure. Um, is there anything else I can add? Not if you are using your signature spell. I think that's all I have that adds to my spell stuff. Yeah, so it's just, uh, it's unbelievably, it's just a single purple, except that this person is an adversary, so it's against one red. So I am taking, uh, I'm rolling against one red? Against one red, and you're taking two strain. Okay, do I get any boosts? You tell me. I want a boost for all of the unbust dishware and cutlery on this table. I'll allow it. It's very generous of you. Three successes, four advantages. Wow. So what's your intellect? Two. Not very smart for a scholar. It's all talk. Well, you hit him. So tell me what happened. Caleb draws his sword from his side up into the sky and then back down. And as he does that, a blade of wind travels out of the sword, hitting a table with unbust dishes and cutlery just at the perfect angle. The table comes flying across this narrow alley and it nails this Anza. I think there's a pretty large, uh, I think there's a pretty loud crack when this, uh, I think it's a metal table actually. Being in hearth, everything is pretty much metal. He throws up an arm to try and block some of it. Does he waver at all? Does he move in the alley? It hits him, but he maintains his footing. Uh, as it hits it, the metal table, it's not like a big, heavy metal table. It's, I mean, you can move it with wind, so it's not huge. But it bounces off his arm, and you can see that he was hit, and it hurt him. But he is still standing and unwavering in his uh, steadfastness against you. I have a great idea for my four advantages. Okay. I think that this whole attack was actually just a distraction. Okay. And Heinier has gotten into a very unexpected place and is going to make his attack. Okay. Tell me what Heinier is going to do. I think while that table flew through the air and was kind of caught or balanced and wounded this Anza, Heinier made his move and sprinted forward and is going to, I think a typical wolf move is to go for the limbs. I think uh, Heiner's going to bite the leg of this Anza. Probably try and, I really want Heiner to toss this guy over the cliff. Heiner's a biter, for sure. Okay, one success, three advantages on Heiner's bite. So, with his three advantages, Heiner's bite has ensnare, which could happen, or knockdown. I kind of like ensnare because I think when a wolf bites, if it's not going to toss you over a cliff, it's not going to let go. Okay, so tell me what happens. Heiner got a good bite in, so he's he's grabbing onto this this Anza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as that table hits, Heiner is rushing forward at a very very fast speed and goes in and gets a good bite on this Fellowship Anza's leg and kind of tugs them down just a second after they deflect this metal table off of themselves. And Heiner's not letting go. 
I think this Anza is probably going to have to attack Hynir next if it's going to get free and continue to succeed in its mission. Okay, great. As Hynir gets a grip on this person's leg, they steady themselves. Just looking at this person, you can tell that they've been in combat. They've been in more combat situations than you. They know pain, know how to deal with it, and know how to channel it. He looks down at Hynir and looks up at you, and you are the target for him. Hynir is secondary. He can take care of Hynir. He's going to take care of you first. And he reaches forward with his palm facing you, his fingers forward. And as you see him clench his fingers together, you feel your body tighten up and you feel yourself move. Your joints aren't moving, your legs and arms aren't moving, but you are flung out into the air off the side of hearth. I'm flung off the east side, like into the, out into like open air. And that's also seven damage minus your soak. And he got two advantages with his, uh, with the addition of um, manipulate. So he's able to move you. Okay. Well, let's see. So I'm going to take four wounds minus my soak. Okay. Okay. Is it my party's turn? Yeah. So Caleb's flying through air. Yep. Is is going to fall to his death. Yes. The the city passes by the levels of this city built into a mountain are growing more distant as you plummet. Man, I have a really cool idea, but I don't so do know. I. I don't know it how um how many turn I, I okay. I have an idea, but I think you're not gonna like let me do it. As Calum continues to fall, the sky opens up and rumble of thunder that was very distant earlier is now close. The rain seems to be matching his speed as he falls and falls. Okay, Calum, he's going to die. He needs to either use magic to fly back. I don't think he can necessarily fly i don't think that's been established but he does control wind and that's you know two are in the same hand or he needs to do something different he need he would need to maybe tap into something that he's thinking about but isn't quite adept at can he like traverse space time can he do what heiner does he's been with heiner for a little while how long has he been uh-huh. with Hynir at this point? A uh, weeks? Maybe like, oh, I was thinking like five or six days. Okay. So not too long, but... I don't think so long enough for Hynir to actually teach what he's doing, because I don't think Hynir is fully conscious of what he's doing. What Hynir is it's doing is... It's just something is, that he's able to do. For Hynir, it's like jumping over a puddle. Yeah. For... Calum, it's like an ant making its way from one side of a puddle to the other without going around either side. Yeah, or ending ending up in the abyss of water. Well, if a ant walked into the center of the puddle. Yeah. So yeah, did you want to try that? You know what? I like this. I think Calum has been thinking a lot about the bark. He says to himself, what's a bark? But a 
noise made by wind that travels through physical space. I can manipulate the wind. Can I manipulate this bark? He's going to try and do it. He's going to try right. and bark. He casts bark. So you're taking two strain for the, the magic. Yes. And uh, I think you're doing a, a hard magic check. Okay, so I'm doing an arcana check, magical check, mm-hmm. to uh, do a spell that I call the spirit bark. Spirit bark. Okay. Let's see What's my difficulty? What's my difficulty? It's hard. It's three purples. You're not going to add anything to that? Nope. Zero successes and two advantages. I think that Calum attempts to do his spirit bark. This spell that would be so similar to Hynir's kind of space teleporting bark. And I think that the pitch is close, but a little bit off. He's never done this before. I want to use my two advantages to say that the force of this spell, which I think he casts, outstretches a hand, uh, not holding the sword, and a loud, thunderous noise comes from it, but not to the intended effect. But the power of his spell shoots him back upward, not necessarily back onto the ground, but back upward in air. Uh, He's still suspended in air. Yeah, it slows his descent. Exactly. And with my other advantage, he looks over to Hynir, still chomping this uh, on his leg. I don't think anymore. Oh, is he too far away? Yeah. Oh, dang. Okay. He, he out there. What's he going to do? As he holds his arm out, he feels himself lose control over his body, and he hears the voice of Saffron again. You are close, but... You need the crack. And as he says that, the same spell happens again. Your air, breaking that sound barrier, mixed with Saffron's fire as a lightning bolt streaks across the sky in front of you. And you travel, and you appear five feet from the ground. And it hurts. Huh? It. Oh. <laughs> but it doesn't hurt as bad as it could because you were able to slow your descent a little bit. Ah. Oh. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Other Place. If you like The Other Place, you should listen to Tales from the Grey Library and the Fenrain Files. In Tales from the Grey Library, we follow new sets of adventurers and stories all across the world of The Other Place. Each story features a different GM and new players. And in the Fenrain Files, we take a zoomed out look at the world of The Other Place. With topics ranging from myths and legends in the Fellowship of the Seven Rivers to specific saints and necromancers. Come join us as we expand the world and learn more about it. The Other Place is a production of Nightcast Creative. For more about us and the things that we do, visit nightcastcreative.com.